So we heard Brother Ryan in the first reading multiple times it mentioned the vessels. And did you notice the order of the vessels were gold, silver, bronze, then it went into iron and wood, but gold, silver, and bronze, what does that remind you of? And I always wondered when the Olympics give out their medals, they, they pick gold, silver, and bronze. I, I've got to admit, I'm not sure I didn't have a chance to research it. If that goes back to ancient Greece, so it was before the scriptures, but this is really an Old Testament reading. So to me, it's very probable that it's from a passage like this, that even the <clears throat> tradition of giving out gold, silver, and bronze for athletes who compete to the highest of levels, which is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Um, even when I started wrestling in third grade, um, when we would go to the wrestling tournaments, you won gold, silver, or bronze. And I spent and dedicated years and years and years to try and to win at wrestling. Now, what does that do for me today? You probably think I'm going to give some lesson in leadership or teamwork. What does it do for me today? Absolutely nothing. My cousin was a better wrestler than me. He was an All-American. Um, I think he won the Pac-10, and his whole life was dedicated to wrestling. Uh, they traveled. There was nothing else in all in their life for my uncle and, and my cousin than wrestling. It consumed everything. And where does it got him today? Absolutely nothing. So the point is, we have to put these things in perspective. Why is it that an athlete will give every ounce of his existence to the point of the most precise diet, hours, 10, you know, four, five, six, eight, ten 10 hours of training a day, competition that consumes them, and yet we don't have time for basic prayer. We don't have time to go to Mass on Sunday. You know, I went a uh, chance to take my parents to the doctor. Uh, I went home uh, the end of last week and um, had a chance. I, I went home for the purpose of taking my parents to the doctor because I wanted to know what the doctors were telling them because I was fearful that they weren't always doing what the doctor told them to do. And so um, when I was there, a benefactor rewarded me with a tremendous gift and it was a ticket to go to the Michigan-Ohio State football game. Now, normally, I'm not going to get up here and say to you that uh, football is not something I enjoy. It is, and I did go to the game. Thank you, Dana. And I'm sitting there, but you know, one thing that I reflected on, there was 110,000 people at that game, freezing cold, sitting huddled up, how many people would do that for our Lord? How many people would go to an event outside in 25 degree weather? How many people would bundle up and spend an entire Saturday afternoon? How many people would drive, probably what some of them did, eight, 10 hours to get to that game for our Lord? And so I think of the athletes, the athletics, the competition, what does Paul say? 
Athletes compete for a crown that is perishable, but what should you be doing is competing for a crown that is imperishable. And yet looking at 110,000 people and the hundreds of thousands that wanted to get inside that game that couldn't, yet where, where are the churches? They're empty. Where are the confession lines? They're empty. And I don't think that's going to last long because a lot of prophets and mystics have been telling us that they're starting to see with what's going to be happening in the world in the next near future that those confession lines will be full again. And, 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 and so right now we're worshiping, for instance, like I said, I, I, I'm not going to pretend that I'm, I'm not guilty. I am. I enjoy sports. I do watch a game. I do do this. I'm not going to say I don't. But when football becomes our religion on Sunday, and I think it's one of the reasons our Lord allows me not to be attached to the Detroit Lions. I got very excited when they started winning. And I got so excited that I was becoming an idol. And sure enough, they got killed on Thanksgiving Day. It was almost like the Lord saying, not going to let you get too attached here. And so we have to put things into perspective. We have to put things would we go through what these athletes do? These athletes compete at a level and they give every waking hour to a competition. And Paul's telling us, you do that for a crown that withers. Why aren't you doing that for a crown that per perdures through eternity? <clears throat> the crown, we just talked about Christ the last uh, Sunday, King of the Universe. Christ wearing the crown. That's the eternal crown you want. And so in order to get us to help us to get it through, on this earth we need something that we are not getting, the Holy Spirit. On the reading of the gospel, what does it say? It says, don't worry about what you're going to say. I'm going to give you the words. Now this is the gospel of Luke. Now I remember this passage vividly because I'm working on a book about the Holy Spirit. And in Matthew 10 and in Mark 13, it says what about this passage? It's the same passage, but it says, I will give you the Holy Spirit and you will know what to say. You see, one of the biggest problems in our world today is we, 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 when we look at the Trinity, you've heard me say this before. I'll, I'll just summarize this real quick. The, the, the three great acts of mercy, now here I'm borrowing from Father Seraphim again. The three great acts of mercy are attributed to the three members of the Trinity. You, you, you have the first great act of mercy is creation. And to that we attribute the first person of the Trinity, God the Father. So the first great act of mercy is creation. We attribute that to the first person of the Trinity, the Father. Now, the second great act of mercy is redemption. After we fell, we got broken. We attribute that to the second person of the Trinity, the incarnate God, second person, Jesus Christ. So the second great act of mercy is redemption, and we attribute that to the second person of the Trinity, the Son. Now, what's interesting, basically those two are done. Now, even though God is always creating, let's look at this. The work of the Father in creating you is done. The God the Father has completed his task of creating you. You are created. It is done. 
The Son has completed His task of redeeming you. You have been redeemed. Now, whether you're saved or not is up to you, but your second act of mercy, redemption, through the Son, the second person of the Trinity, is basically done. Jesus said on the cross before he expired, it is finished. Basically, the salvific work in the terms of redemption, the act that Christ did on the cross, which we will participate here, we're not re-sacrificing Christ, is done. But in the third and the final, and in one sense, the greatest act of all mercy is sanctification to be made holy. And is that work done? Uh-uh. And that third great act of mercy, sanctification to be made holy, is who we attribute to the Holy Spirit. It is Him who makes us holy. God the Father created us, God the Son redeemed us, but it is God the Holy Spirit who sanctifies us. And so what we need, the Holy Spirit, in fact, God the Father never came to earth. He was never incarnate. God the Son came to earth. He became incarnate to redeem us. But what did he do? Did he stay here on earth? Yes, in one sense, through the Eucharist. But in his actual being, he ascended back up to the Father. He's now back in heaven at the right hand of the Father. But what did he say right before he did that? I must ascend to the Father, so for what? Why? So that I can send you the paraclete. So that I can send you the Holy Spirit. So it is the Holy Spirit, after the Son ascended to the Father, that is now descended upon us, on Mary and the Apostles of Pentecost, and now us at our confirmation, that is to make us holy. You talk about Christmas gifts. All of you are getting ready to get your gifts at Christmas. You're excited to receive your gifts at Christmas. You, you love to give your gifts at Christmas. You want to talk about true gifts? The true gifts are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when do they come? When do you get the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Your baptism. The entire problem, I am convinced, I've said this before, and I'm going to keep on harping it. The biggest problem in the world today is we are not baptizing our children. We are not baptizing, and I've never, I, I've studied church history, I've, 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 I'm a huge history buff. It just appears that never before since the establishment of the church 2,000 years ago has there ever been a time in human history that we're not baptizing Without baptism, we don't have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We, we don't have faith, hope, and charity on a supernatural level. We cannot love in the way God loves supernaturally without baptism. And we are not baptizing our children. Well, Father, I want Junior to be 18 before he makes that choice. No, did Junior, when he was born into your family, did you decide to let Junior be 18 before he decided to be a member of your family? No, Junior was a member of your family the day he was born. Actually, the day he was conceived. As soon as you found out he was, you were pregnant, he was a member of your family. So yes, Junior was always a member of your family. You didn't wait till he was 18 to say, at 18, you can sign a document or you can go down to the civil 
a court and determine you're a member of our family. No, at baptism, you are becoming an adopted member of God's family. And the problem with us not baptizing is we can't be sanctified. The world is in the mess it is in because we're losing holiness. And we don't have that sanctification. We don't have that holiness. The poor Holy Spirit is down here on this earth begging that we use him. He's the most active on the earth today. The Father and the Son are in heaven. And I mean, don't send me a theological letter. I know the Trinity is one and wherever there's one. Yes, I had God one in triune class. I know that. But it is the Holy Spirit who descended back down upon this earth to make us holy. And I want to finish with this. God sometimes will allow tragedy to wake us up. Sometimes he will allow something earth-shaking to wake us up. I don't know if you've been following the news. And that little child, that little girl named Indy in the UK, have any of you been following this story? If not, you should. This is, this is a microcosm of the problem with the world today. This, this one case, what happened is this little girl, this beautiful, precious little child, this little Indy, had a terminal disease, and they determined that she could not be cured, but she was on assisted machines, or she, she was on like a form of life support. Now, life support, in one sense, is not mandated by the Catholic Church if it's extraordinary form, and I won't get into that now. But if the will of the little, the family is to keep that child alive, they have that right. And the parents beg to have this little girl remain alive because their hope was that a miracle could be found. And the courts in the UK, and I, I just returned from the UK, have a special love in my place. England, the dowry of Mary. Ireland, the chosen people, the suffering servant of God, even though I know it's technically different than the UK, but I, when, when you look at the UK, the court system there determined this little baby will die. And so the, the family fought and fought and fought. In fact, it got so elevated that the prime minister of Italy, this woman, a good Catholic, she stepped in and said, we will make this little girl a citizen of Italy. We will bring her to Italy and we will care for her at the Vatican Hospital. Now, I have not heard that the Vatican stepped up and said anything, but this prime minister, I mean, I, I, I got a question sometimes because we're more worried now. I just heard Cardinal Burke got disciplined. God bless Cardinal Burke. And yet, meh, anyway, I'm not going to go that route. But the, the Vatican uh, hospital was going to take care of this little girl. The two parents were not religious but they begged that this little girl be saved. The prime minister contacted the courts of the UK and said, we will take this child. We will make this child an, an, uh, um, um, a citizen of Italy. And the courts in the UK said no. And so this father who was not religious said, well, then you give me one thing. Can I baptize this child? 
And this father, who was not religious, came to the realization, they're going to kill my baby. And they did. This little girl was killed by the courts of the UK. They killed her. They murdered her. But before she died, the father who declared himself non-religious said, this has affected me so much that I want this little girl baptized. And you know what else? I want to be baptized. The father, the atheist, non-religious father came to the realization, I need the Holy Spirit. I need to be baptized. And so, yes, this is a huge tragedy. And we should never sit idly by and not speak up against something like this. And so this father took a non-religious atheist to announce to the world we need baptism. And I keep thinking of all the Catholics in my family, even so, that don't need baptism. They think, of course they need baptism, but they think they don't. And yet this atheist, at the hands of the courts, has his little girl taken, says, I need baptism. This little girl needs baptism. Praise be to God that he may, even out of the worst tragedy, God may bring a greater good. Because I truly believe that the way this story was broadcast around the world, I pray that people will hear this story and say, I too need to be baptized. Or even as important, my children need to be baptized. Please, if you do nothing else, baptize your children. God bless you. Hello, I'm Father Thaddeus Langton of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, and I'm excited to let you know about my new podcast with Father Timothy Childers called Keeping It Marian. To access the podcast, simply visit divinemercyplus.org or search Keeping It Marian on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on whatever podcast platform you prefer. I want to share with you the riches of the charism of the Marian Fathers, which is the mystery of the Immaculate Conception, how it touches our lives as consecrated priests and religious, and how this mystery can bear fruit in your life, especially by keeping the Word of God and pondering it in our hearts in imitation of our Blessed Mother. I hope you'll join us. Again, it's called Keeping It Marian. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org 
for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.